Frank Jacob, man, you're you're in Germany. I am. I'm in your future. And you're you're in the future. We're right there. It, it, right there is um, an anomaly that we got to deal with. I mean, um, so there is such a thing as being in the future, and you're in Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So how how is how is life in the future? I mean, is the world still here? Or did they blow it up yet? It's still here. I think it's still here. I haven't looked outside because it's pitch black, but uh, I believe it's still here. It's quiet. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I, I appreciate you uh, staying up so uh, late there to, to be on the program, and uh, we really want to talk to you a lot of things, and particularly, I mean, uh, being an adventurer, visionary, and filmmaker, the, the, like the film, and the ones I'm kind of interested in, really, is the Klaus Donna one in, in particular about the out-of-place objects. Of course, you've got Solar Revolution, Packing for Mars, and... Um, Stranger at the Pentagon, and those really some exciting top titles there. And we've got a link to your website on our on our show, so people can look at that after the show. And by the way, people that are watching, if you have a question for Frank, just put it in either live chat on the website or the live chat on our YouTube streaming channel. Both of them get sent here by our our moderator. Well, Frank, um, out of place object. If you start there, but first of all, let, let's get a little, let's uh, kind of introduce yourself to, to the audience. How's one become a adventurer, visionary, and filmmaker all in one? Uh, well, you know, it didn't happen overnight. It just uh, sort of, you know, it trended in that direction. From the very start, I've always been kind of a very, I, I, I think at a very early age, I, I, I woke up and saw the world around me as being somewhat uh, crazy. You know, I read some books that um, scared me a lot, like Hiroshima. And, you know, when you're young and you read about these like mass murdering events, you realize, oh, my God, my government, the governments out there are insane. And uh, so I became very skeptical at a very early age. And I read some books that kind of opened my mind for, um, yeah, to just map out the universe. And, and ever since then, I've been interested in avant-garde topics. And I leaned toward the arts. So I ventured into music and filmmaking and visuals and realize the best way to get messages across is to transcend the filters and that works really well with music and and images mm -hmm. and, and it took a few years but uh gradually i ended up in over here in europe and i knew that one day i wanted to start making like films cool cinematic films and especially the idea of making films that are about sort of these off the off the fringe kind of topics interested me because a lot of those were at that time everything I'd seen wasn't really a very good quality a lot of the stuff on YouTube was very bad quality so I thought you know I have the skill set and I have the equipment and and I wanted to just sort of approach that in a very cinematic way mm -hmm. and that sort of gave birth to Packing for Mars, Solar Revolution. Klaus Donna came in the middle there somewhere because he was somebody that we were introduced to and I went, he wasn't very far away. You know, it was, I think it was Alfred Weber who said, well, you're, you're in Austria at the time I was living in, in Austria. So he said, you know, you're in Austria. There's this guy out there called Klaus Donner. You should see him, you know? So I called him up and I visited him and we've been friends ever since. And we started to, uh, and I realized at that time he didn't ha have anything out there, no books, no DVDs. So I, you know, we kind of put together all of his things and like visuals and some films and odds and ends and pictures. And we made kind of like a little, well, what you see is the Klaus Donner Chronicles. Mm -hmm. um, in your, uh, in your life travels, do, have you came across any shockingly wrong views that have been, because you talk about filters and, and 
you know, this show's been banned a couple times already. I mean, most people's shows that say anything about anything is going to get banned for some amount of time, whatnot, or permanent. But so we've got filters all over the place. But has anything ever that that you that shocked you that you always believed and the system told you particularly, and you went along with it as a as a as a normal person? Yeah, that sounds right. But then you find out, wait a minute, that's completely wrong. Did you have you ever had any one of those uh, things happen to you? Uh. Well, I mean, if you look at Klaus Donau, then, uh, yeah, I, there, there's an example of, uh, he had a, an exhibit here in Austria in 2001 with 400 real artifacts that that shouldn't exist if history, as we've been taught in the history books, is true. So holding those things, and, and you know, we, we had some artifacts in our hand from... Um, Huelos de Aliska, this area of Mexico, uh, where it just, you know, was clear that these were not just fantasy depictions of extraterrestrials, mm -hmm. but they were really, you know, seriously, I mean, these were extraterrestrials, you know, it was clear. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, I guess, is that, you know, living over, having come over to Europe, in particular in Germany, I, you know, I began to run into people that had information about historical perspectives that that were totally different from what I'd been taught in school as well and that kind of sent me off on a bit of a research journey for the last mm -hmm. few years as well so I've you know I realized that what a lot of what's written in the history books has not only been is not only just you know the version of the victors mm -hmm. but it's actually been deliberately altered to be false mm -hmm. yeah and so right. you realize oh my god like there really are people out there in the in the system that that would like to create a version of reality that isn't true but it works in their favor mm -hmm. yeah so that's those are some of the things that i guess just sort of convinced me to when if i'm going to make films and i'm going to present information out there publicly then i, I want to push back a little bit on that because mm -hmm. i think we need to because you know the topic that that's been come up in the last month is just the idea of timelines and how does that work and timelines mm -hmm. have a lot to do with our day-to-day -day decisions and our belief system what we mm -hmm. think is real mm. and most of us you know most of what we think and believe has been tainted by those around us that you know we bore, we're born into this world and we're kind of victims of the society that we land in because we don't you know we're, we're, right. we don't really have the chance to alter it so mm -hmm. we accept it because we trust our parents and by extension then we uh, we trust our you know fellow um, humans and then into the government we don't expect the government would lie to us or manipulate you know the truth like that but they do mm. some somebody in live chat said you look like a rock star so hey man can i have your autograph <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely so hey i got i got a topic uh, maybe you already touched on this because i know we're looking at the the klaus donna over the winter way where you looked at uh, the uh, klaus donna uh, background there uh, there's a pyramid there of course but in the and the uh, Grand Canyon, there are all kinds of areas that are named after Egyptian kings and priests. And a lot of that, those areas are blocked off, and you can't get access to them. You certainly can't fly over them. And the, the, the word kind of is that our uh, uh, government went there and found out-of-place objects, including details of... Egyptian presence, mummies, and various things, and they took them off to, 
to D.C. and hid them away. Are you are you familiar with that? Yes, I've heard that as well. Yeah, I, there's definitely evidence of their presence in America, which certainly you know opens up. Also in Australia, so it, it opens up your <laughs> again historical perspective, you know, to new horizons. Like what mm -hmm. were they doing there? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it just it just shows us that uh, either they had technology which enabled them to, you know. Uh, fly there or transport over the oceans or they teleported even maybe and yeah. we've now realized that there's stargates all over the planet and uh, these things are can function like a kind of teleportation mm -hmm. device as well now, so I'm, maybe the egyptians already had that technology mm -hmm. maybe you know or maybe they had technology to enable them to fly or anti-gravity whatever it's just there's mm -hmm. a lot of aspects of that historical chapter which have gone missing because it's been so long so so i would take it you're not of the belief that uh a, a few thousand guys with sandals and ropes built the pyramids no i'm not <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not quite there yet okay well we're going to work on you no. try to try to convince you by the way i don't know if you've seen the website but we have a uh, poll question related to tonight's topic as we always do this one here is out of place objects where they come from and the choices are past civilizations a parallel universe, time travels, hoaxers, aliens. Somebody said, well, I never heard of them. So let's see what the results are. All right, 90% of the respondents say that the out-of-place objects came from past civilizations, and 9% actually say from time travelers. Uh, you, you kind of sort of touched on that a little bit. Now we got, I think, one of the CERN colliders, they reactivated after being four years of not running, and who knows what the hell they're doing with that. And how is that, Frank, how do they build... A 17-mile structure, who's paying for that? Underneath, in a big circle, and they fire some little proton around in there. How do they know that little thing hits the target? I mean, that thing, and you talk about stargates. I'm thinking they're trying to open up something there, and it has nothing to do with, with atom smashing. Right. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've reopened it after two years, uh, and they've refurbished it so that they, they have these, yeah, I mean, it really it is, up to us to kind of believe what we're being told because we can't really imagine particles that are subatomic in size being hurled around a 27 kilometer magnetic loop at you know pretty much the speed of light and then you know smashed together mm -hmm. uh, it's it sounds all very nebulous to any normal person the only way I can verify what's going on there is because of the people that I some of the people that I know over here in, in Germany um, are scientists and I have people in my network that are scientists and they knew somebody who actually worked at CERN in the very early days his name was Hans-Peter Wirtz and he was he had a very interesting story to tell and that was that essentially they realized that they had built kind of a time machine and scientists there's even articles about it a few years going back you know quite a few years actually already eight years nine years where they had pretty much figured out how to create these time loops and they but they never and they were trying to create like black holes to you know duplicate sort of the big bang and they never really had enough power and um but they did sort of figure out how to bend or alter time and there's some very interesting anomalous activity that took place within that um a 27 kilometer loop like pictures where you could almost see two versions of earth overlapping in the same picture uh 
clocks running at a different speed. Um, but what they, they weren't satisfied with the power that they had there, and they put another 2.5 billion euros. And yes, you're right. Where does this money come from? <laughs> They've got never have seemed to have enough money for for the people, right. for the problems that they're throwing at us constantly in the news. Uh, but they have enough money for for these uh, for these devices, and they and they've essentially that what they did with this uh, for two years they were shut down, and they've added uh, functionality to the point where they can now um, they operate in tera electron volts, which are one tera electron volt is one trillion electron volts. So they now uh, w before they shut down they were working in the five to six tera electron volt range. And now they've set it up so that they're actually capable, at least officially, they announced that they're up to 12 tera electron volts. So they've wow. pretty much doubled their capacity. Mm -hmm. Somebody sent me a chat that said, no, actually, they're up to 40, but I, I can't verify that. But let's just say they have 12. I mean, they've, in the history of our, our civilization, at least our version of humanity, there has never been so much energy, electricity mm -hmm. concentrated on one particular tiny little speck of, of the earth as there is in CERN right now. Wow. And uh, so what they're doing is they're really opening up a black hole into a parallel universe. And, uh, you know, we, we and Hans-Peter Wirtz, he was somebody who was involved when they were before they ramped it up to the new version. And uh, they when they sort of realized that they had a time machine at their hands and the experiments that they were doing or open up these other dimensions. It's the classic story, like the MIB showed up. You know, men in black walked in and uh, began locking off certain you know areas of the facility and took it over. And our friend Hans-Peter Wirtz was kind of pushed out and got his security clearance changed. And he realized that they started to work on altering human consciousness with what they were doing over there. And uh, he came out in t 2019 at a conference with one of my friends, Dieter Burrs, and he made that announcement publicly. And it, it was funny because on his way to that particular conference, he, they tried to run him off the road twice. And uh, unfortunately, two weeks after he went public, he was found dead. So mm. they're very serious about keeping what's going on there, obviously, under wraps. Mm -hmm. And nobody really can access. I mean, a lot of the scientists that are working there don't even really understand what's really going on at that facility. Yeah. You know, they've got sub facilities. They've got smaller uh, colliders, you know, and mm -hmm. other areas. Right. So there's a lot of work going on there, which is not really understood by a lot of the scientists that are there. But you can be sure that um, by opening up this black hole, that they are, um, on the one hand, pushing into other dimensions. In other words, maybe some of them are looking to get into another dimension. And yet at the same time, whenever you open a black hole, we know that things come through to our side as well. It's like a a drain when you pull the plug it only works water will only go down if something comes if air comes up through the drain mm -hmm. so we're bringing things into our dimension as well from wherever they're boring through to and Jordy Rose talked about how they were using quantum computers already 10 actually 12 years ago now to um, solve problems between parallel universes and so what's going on over there is definitely covering all these grounds. They're, they're probing through into other dimensions. They're maybe even co-collaborating with parallel universes. And they're not telling us exactly what they're doing. But uh, I guess you could say if, you know, if they're breaking through and changing time, they, 
you know, it's it's kind of dangerous territory that they're venturing into. Well, yeah, who the hell knows what's going to come through there? Uh, kind of reminded me of uh, uh, this. I don't know. I guess it was a movie, The Skinwalker Ranch, where they they said that there were eyewitnesses there that a portal opened up right in front of them, and they saw creatures come out of this this hole. So it, it seems that there are natural uh, thin. I call them thin places. That might be a good term for it, or places where there are portals. I think the ancients knew where they were. And I think what we're talking about with the CERN Collider is that they're trying to bring that to another level. Like, you know, rather than having some mystical doorway somewhere, they're trying to fabricate a good door that they can open and shut when they want. And, and I got a feeling that if somebody wants to come through there, that this site ain't going to have the intelligence or the strength or the power. And I don't know how many bits of power that you were talking about there, but I don't think we've got enough to stop them if they want to come through. 12 trillion electron volts. So, so, so Frank, do you think that uh, this is part of the what people call the Mandela effect? Yeah, I mean, I would. It, it's interesting because the Mandela effect began appearing at around the time that they started cracking through, or at least that they started making claims about cracking through to these other dimensions. Um, now, there was another um, Hadron Collider experiment that we found out about um, from, you know, um, what was going, happening in South America in the 90s. And they it was called the Chani experiment. It was a computer enhanced um, interface system that they had set up then already. And they were uh, working with they had actually found a way to with the assistance of computers set up this communication to another parallel earth and they had for years this is really bizarre um they had um ex they had communication with a person on the other side speaking to our version of earth and they were exchanging i think like several about 20,000 questions back and forth that were exchanged and at the year 2000 their computers at that time um, lost the communication and they been, basically they tried to reestablish that communication and it happened again in 2007 so already back then they were really bleeding through and setting up that gateway as you might call it just so that things like would seep through from both sides and now we already have the fact is that we already live in multiple parallel dimensions all the time hmm. as quantum physics is determining now do you, do you think we cross um, over into these dimensions very subtly uh, and it's interesting because the looking glass experiment talks about how timelines are converging toward a certain point in time so it seems like there's a funnel effect happening as well I would say that we definitely are moving and in, into areas where we are crossing over dimensions now whether it's natural or artificial is the question you know, what is natural and artificial mm -hmm. anymore? If you realize right. that humanity would someday develop technology to be able to do these things, that's a kind of a natural process too because it's just the brain, you know, getting curious and trying things out and manipulating its environment. So in that sense, even things that are unnatural are part of a natural evolutionary flow. Hmm. Do uh, When it comes to Mandela effect, uh, is there any one particular one that you're aware of that uh, you go... That's not right. Kind of put you yeah, on the spot the, there. Um, but... um, the guitar player from The Who. <laughs> that's that's one for me. Um, you know, Pete Townshend, right? That That's his name. And I always knew that his name was spelled like Town, T-O-W, 
N, mm-hmm, right. and then in England, um, it's just S E N D. You don't, you don't, you don't. Uh, when you say Shend, you don't add an H. It's just you pronounce it like Townshend, mm-hmm. you know. But now, if I, I look into my uh, my records, even and, and and on the internet and stuff, Townshend is spelled with an H. You know, S H E N D, and I'm like, no, <laughs> that's definitely not I right. I don't know now. I, mean, I knew very for a fact that Pete, because I I remember the first time I found out about his name, because people would say it's Pete Townshend, and when I saw his name on the album, I said, well, that's weird. Why don't they say Pete Townsend? And it, that that stuck out in my brain. I still remember remember that very clearly. So that's my own personal version of of the of the Mandela effect. You have yeah. one too? Yeah, yeah. It's Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Uh, look, I grew up with that. But the guy at the tennis shoe, and he always say, "It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood." And it, now it says, "It's a wonderful day in this neighborhood." He never said that ever. I don't care who who tells me. You know, they talk about mass hysteria. That's always the, the system collapsing on 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 people arising out of the matrix goo. If you if you start to come out of the matrix goo, the system yeah. will collapse upon you, make you feel you're isolated, you're a psycho, you're uh disinformation and you know that you need to shut up, you need to be dealt with severely. All right, well we've got numbers of questions coming in, Frank, so let's take a few of those real quick. And uh, by the way, uh, jumping in the live chat that that came in the live chat after I Introduce the other people in live chat. Robert Griffin, uh, Freely Speaking, Tammy Hall, Life Station Express, Chill Girl, uh, Teflon Coat, uh, Overbuilt Automotive, and uh, Louise and Scotty all joining us in the live chat. All right. Here's a question from Rose. says, uh, Frank, who are these guardians of the looking glass? Okay. Uh, well, the guardians of the looking glass are a, a group of um, – they, they, they appeared – in March this year, on March 11th to be exact, uh, on on their own YouTube channel, and they just showed up and claimed to be military insiders and Secret Service people who had worked on a project called The Looking Glass back in the 80s and 90s, and they were um, they they resurfaced because they were a particular group of members within that organization who felt that the project had been taken over and steered by negative factions, people that wanted to manipulate timelines in the fav- in their favor instead of the favor of the mass of people, us. Um, you know, if we backstep a little bit about the looking glass, the looking glass is what it kind of sounds like. It's, it's, a, it's not a glass, but they called it the looking glass because it's a device, a technological device that enabled those who operated the device to peer into future timelines. And they, um, once they had this technology, of course, they at some point started to figure out, hey, if we, if we know we can look into the future, um, let's see if we change some event in the present, let's see what the outcome will be. And because they had um, worked with, they documented all of the different timelines that they've been observing, they were able to see, you know, if if X, then Y kind of thing. And and these particular group of calling themselves the Guardians of the Looking Glass uh, essentially were not um, comfortable with the idea that this one rogue faction were manipulating the timelines to the point where it was going to lead to a very dark future. And so there and there were many people that were involved in, you know, top secret clearance and they so they were able to get a set of the data and essentially the project went 
shut off for a while and it appears to have resurfaced because there's a couple of versions of the looking glass history we could get into a little bit about um you know prior to the guardians resurfacing but long story short is um i think like 10 years after this project kind of went silent they reappeared with these uh incredible video messages describing future events that were going to happen and they had taken it upon themselves to kind of open source those events because they could see the only possibility for us to recapture the timeline and and create a timeline that works in our favor was for them to do that on very specific dates and so they they started to do that and uh and and in the meantime they've released two additional videos when i found their their youtube channel they had they had two videos they had one explanatory video and they had one called event one which describing an event that was going to be happening in new york city on the april on eight on the 18th of april so um the only way that they um could affect the timeline that they saw was to like i said open source the information and people b- would talk about it and if, if many many people began talking about the events possibly happening then it would be um, a deterrent for those who are trying to make those events happen to, to go through with them because then it would obviously be it would it would spoil the surprise and a lot of this surprise had to do with the fact that these are false flag operations and false flag operations don't work if everyone knows that you're planning this event mm-hmm. and so I broke this story and it got picked up uh, on the Inspire channel and within days we had hundreds of thousands of people watching the interview and talking about these timelines and these guardians and and the looking glass so it's safe to say and that's apparently what happened is we actually diverted the the, the event from happening on the 18th that did not take place well thank that's a well, thank, sort of a thank, quick nutshell Frank I appreciate you <laughs> appreciate you because it didn't sound like it would be good whatever the hell it was alright um, Freely Speaking says Frank who is the stranger at the Pentagon Oh, you want to jump over to the stranger at the I'm Pentagon? Just, no, okay. I'm just, just going with whatever the question come in. I'm not let the no worries, viewers. no worries. I mean, I'm not the I mean the the person who's um you know the expert on this is Craig Campobasso, but I've obviously I've worked on the film Stranger at the Pentagon and the script for a major like a motion picture film, and it's a true story about a guy called Valiant Thor, who was a like a created being who came to Earth. Um, in the 50s and tried to approach the Eisenhower administration with information about how to improve humanity, you know, energy devices, healing devices, uh, and actually was invited to stay at the Pentagon for three years in an effort to kind of share this information and bring it into mankind. And, of course, he was being held there in a way because the military people wanted to try to figure out a way to um, to use the technology which he had his ships and the weapons and all the things that they were trying to get their hold a uh, hold of so Valiant Thor was a Venusian who sp- stayed at the Pentagon for three years and among apparently many other Venusians which are on the surface of the planet right now. In fact, there's supposedly thousands of Venusians because they look very similar to mm-hmm. humans. You can't really recognize the difference. They just look like, well, I mean, it would just look like a regular person if you ran into them. They might look think, a little um, bit. I mean, how many people do you know that look a little bit different 
you're not going to go up to them and say, are you a Venusian, whatever. So they, mm -hmm. they blend in very well, and they've been amongst our society now ever since. Mm -hmm. you know, Omnik, I, Onik is one of them as well. I, I, I would have I said that Elon Musk fits that category, because when I look at Elon Musk, he, he, he got some kind of look to him that, you know, I'm not disparaging him, I'm just saying, but if there ever was a Venusian right there, I'm thinking he's, he's got to be one, man. All right, um, let's get to some more questions real quick, and then we'll get back to our discussion. Uh, Rose... Rose says, did Klaus Donna find any evidence that giants or the Nephilim exist? D does he think the giants and the Nephilim are the same beings? Uh, the answer is yes and, and, uh, and, and no. I mean, yes, he has found evidence of giants. and But the thing that, about Klaus, you got to realize, is Klaus is not somebody who goes out there and makes any claims about what he's discovered, which is why I respect him so much. He doesn't go out and say, oh, these are the bones of the Nephilim, and then create some kind of huge mythology around it. He actually just goes and f and finds the artifacts and reports on the artifacts as these are giant bones. <laughs> he doesn't say, these are the giant bones of the Nephilim. He does, of course, you know, look at history and figure out, okay, there's these legends of the Nephilim, and there are legends of the giants in Lemuria, so, you know, this is evidence that these kinds of things may have existed. Um, are they the bones of the Nephilim? Possibly, but nobody knows. Uh, but yes, he's found, you know, many things in South America that, he was, that he's found and even, you know, has some of them at his, actually at some of them at his exhibition in Austria. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that uh, we now know that the Smithsonian Institute also had in possession bones of giants right. and uh, it, it later came out that they actually destroyed them because they were trying to you know cover up that part of history it's a kind of a shameful chapter well, yeah, it's a of shame. the Smithsonian's yeah, history think, I think there's a lot I think I think the serpent mounds and various mounds are probably built and probably were burial places of the giants certainly stuff in the in the Grand Canyon we discussed earlier uh, people talk about the Kandahar giant that there may be giants running around even now but but putting on your thinking cap, your conspiracy cap there, Frank, why do they want to hide Earth history? Hmm. Okay, there's, there's where am I going to take that one? Uh, well, for one, you could say that there's, there's always been kind of a, a group of people that have been richer and more connected and more powerful than the rest of the people, mm -hmm. the majority of people. And as technology improved and as discoveries about potentially about extraterrestrials, for example, or about giants or about archaeological finds were made, they ended up in the hands of those people before anybody else, giving those people a particular advantage uh, over the rest of us and a particular knowledge set over the rest of us and this is something that I guess those in power have always deemed to be something they would like to keep a secret for themselves and there's one of the one of the early you know actually one of the main reasons these early secret societies were formed and the biggest probably the most powerful secret society of ours in the world today is Majestic you know, Majestic is being the one that was set up to to deal with the re, the recovered, crashed discs that began appearing mm -hmm. in the United States, starting 
uh, at, you know, early, at, uh, no later than the 40s with the Roswell crash and many others, seven other uh, crashes that they actually had that took place. And they realized then that, uh, you know, society had kind of reached a certain point of evolution. And if they were to, and they, they made studies on whether they should disclose the information about the existence of extraterrestrial civilizations to the masses. And they came, one particular is the Brookings, um, you know, the, the Brookings Institute. And they came to the conclusion that it was better not to tell that because they were trying to keep and maintain a very regulated system and society out there. Um, and as soon as that they made that decision, you could say that was the beginning of what I call and what Richard Dolan called the breakaway civilization. That means a, a particular group of man of humans who are in possession of such information and such knowledge and technology that is so far advanced that it seems like magic to the rest of us who are mm -hmm. following the regular school book physics. Right. Um, and and that div the divide between us and this breakaway civilization is, has in the last 75, 80 years just gotten wider and wider. Um, so there's an obvious reason why they would want to maintain that um, firewall of information between us and them because, you know, at some point, if you, what are you going to do? You have to, are you just going to come out and tell society what's been going on, that you've been lying to them for the last 80 years? No, they can't. So the lie gets deeper and bigger and bigger. Uh, and at the same time, they also know that at some point it's probably going to become inevitable that they have to describe these things. So they use the media, things like films, like Hollywood and television series, to do what's called soft disclosure, mm. which is to kind of train our minds mm. and our you know, consciousness to open ourselves up to the ideas of extraterrestrial civilizations and of super technology and superhuman capabilities and all these things so that when they one day inevitably break and it's you could say we're probably getting close to those times now mm -hmm. then uh, there won't be such a shock in society Frank Frank you think the the, the Navy release of the tic tac UFO videos is is one of those soft disclosures yeah, absolutely. You know, because you can see it also because it's like they make such a huge deal about it that it's it's like, wow, just this one little thing. I mean, those who have been interested in, in researchers in, in the field know there's far more compelling evidence out there. Mm -hmm. um, and alone just the Val Thor story, you know, the Valiant Thor story has never been, I mean, even though it's been recognized as being factual by blue project blue book members it's never been openly declared as something that is a part of the official record of mm -hmm. of interaction between humans in this particular case the american government and extraterrestrials mm -hmm. they've never told us that so the tic tac thing is a joke in a way um <laughs> because it's like okay come on you know yeah. All right, well, we have to start somewhere, I guess, right? right but right, right. It, it's interesting because then they made they made all this fuss about um yeah, they're going to have a big council now. They're going to have a big, you know, there's going to be, uh, they're going to do some research. And they're going to remember that whole thing. They were going to disclose what they found. And, mm -hmm. and then they came out and they said, well, we found that we, there's something out there, but we don't understand what it is. I mean, I just had to laugh. But, by the way, our, our moderator, Jade, is, is, is a cat lover. I noticed a cat in behind you. What's your cat's you name? noticed him, did you? <laughs> he made his debut on the program. What's his name? He likes to sneak past me somehow in the middle of shows. I don't know what it is. Okay. What's the cat's name? 
Rocco. Rocco. Okay. Yeah, Rocco. Oh, bring him over. Bring him over. You're live on. You're in the world right now. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Let's get to another question. Um, from Life Station Express, it says, Frank, what's your coolest discovery, the strangest? The coolest, strangest discovery? Well, there's been so many. Oh, let me think. Well, one of the ones that I thought was cool um, that is pretty remarkable was this. You know, we did a film called Packing for Mars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it started off actually with the moon because I'd been watching some films by another filmmaker called Jose Escamilla about, you know, moon rising and uh, about anomalies that were on the moon, which really inspired me to... Uh, to explore this like it was like something where I went wow that's incredible like why don't we why don't more of us don't know about this like there's structures on the moon and things like that and then it ended up turning into my doing a film called Packing for Mars and uh, what we found out is of course you know there's the whistleblowers that came forward and talked about having been involved in um, programs that took us to the surface of uh, and, and under the surface of Mars um, but what's interesting is you begin to realize that there's a an ancient past that has to do with Mars as well, and these um, and there's certain monuments on the surface of Mars in certain areas, like the Elysium Quadrant is one of them, where there's some pyramids we talk about in Packing for Mars, mm -hmm. and there's another area called the Sidonia Plateau, yeah. which is has the face of Mars, a five-sided pyramid, and there's a there's a um, the Journal of Space Exploration um, put out um, some papers in the, the TSI journals, actually, by a couple of guys called Crater and McDaniel, which went into that area, and particularly from the perspective of geographic relativity. They were trying to prove, they were trying to use geometry to prove evidence of intelligent life. And they, and they took those areas in Sedona and a few other areas, and they, they made um, very precise measurements. And they found that essentially there's these mounds, and there's this pyramid and this face. And if you look at the relativity between these objects mathematically, you can actually, you, they found out that, I mean, it's so well laid out and so precise that you can actually decipher the geometry um, to the point of being able to show that the people that had put those things there created formulas which actually depicted the spin of the atom. And that was pretty mind-blowing. And then if you um, um, look at what we have on the Earth, there's there's this area called Tiawanaka, and or sorry, Teotihuacan. Right. And, on, and that area is called the City of the Gods. And there's pyramids that are laid out in certain um, configurations there as well. And you ask yourself, well, why are they positioned exactly where they're positioned? And why are they different sizes? And what are those? Do those sizes and those relationships mean anything? And, and very in, and indeed they do. You find out that that whole plaza has been laid out so that if you overlay our solar system on top of it and you put our sun at the place where the pyramid of the moon is. And the pyramid and the moon pyramid is actually where the Earth is. You could actually change places between the Sun pyramid and the moon pyramid. And there's a third pyramid, what they call the um, the um, Kukulkan pyramid. That pyramid is 
smaller in size. And if you look at the height relationship between that pyramid and the pyramid of the Earth, which is the moon pyramid, mm-hmm. um, it's actually the same relationship as the diameter of the Earth to Mars. Coincidence? And the whole plaza is this whole street that sort of leaves the Kukukan pyramid and heads toward the pyramid which I'm now calling the Earth Pyramid, which is the Moon Pyramid. So it's like the people who built those things, they knew exactly <laughs> the places placement of our planets in our solar system mm. relative to one another, mm-hmm. built them exactly in those places, and even made the size relationships exactly right. So that one day when we figured this out, we could say that those people who built those monuments mm-hmm. were our ancestors. Sounds so like, our ancestors like seem to have come from Mars at some point in our history and set those things up. And there's other places on the planet as well. But that's one of the things that I found was really fascinating. Sounds like a, a sounds like a fingerprint there. Um, okay, let's get to another question here. And this is says uh, this is from Doreen. Says uh, what what other future dates did the Guardians of the Looking Glass have? Well, so far they've they've only described two dates where things are going to happen. The first one was the uh, the 18th of April, mm-hmm. and the next one is the 20th of May. Are you are you going to stop it? Well, I think we already have. I mean, I think those two events. I would say you know, since we stopped the 18th, mm-hmm. um, and we had really literally probably easily a half a million people at that point talking about this these events if not more mm-hmm. because you know that there's people that talk to other people that aren't necessarily clicking on there it's simply on clicks alone you could say half a million people knew about it and events one and two were the ones that were both up there at the same time that i broke the story so it's safe to say that you know essentially i would say event two is would have to have been prevented i believe and i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that it has been you know of course we won't know until after the 20th but it's one right. of those things that has to do with a scientist certain scientists now i'm i'm very curious because i never reported the story because i was saying um you know this is absolutely you know real and i, I just found it out there and it was an, anom- an anomaly that dropped into my reality <laughs> like a you know, reverse needle in the haystack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It wasn't that it was supposed to be where it was supposed to be when I found it. I didn't find it in a site that had anything to do with looking glass. It was on some channel that had, you know, totally non-related topic. And so I feel the universe kind of placed it in my way for me to explore it. So I felt my job was to kind of break it out there and say, hey, folks, look at this. This, pl- this Project Looking Glass is real. The last time we heard about Project Looking Glass was with Kerry Cassidy and uh, Bill Ryan, we're talking about it, you know, 10 years earlier with another person altogether with another different version of it. Um, so it's out there now and they're describing events which are cataclysmic. So um, let's look at this. You know, what is this? Right. So that's all I intended. I had no intention. I didn't realize it was going to explode to the point that it seems like the whole idea of timelines and looking glass and anomalous, you know, technologies like this mm-hmm. has caught struck a nerve with people Mm -hmm. um so at this point i think it's almost like we've taken the narrative a little bit away from the guardians of the looking glass and put it out 
just got this discussion going about consciousness, mm -hmm. which is actually mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I wanted, I'd rather not focus so much on the actual events. Yes, they're out there, mm -hmm. and they're pretty horrendous if you read them. But what's more important is that we realize that we as human beings have the ability with our own consciousness collectively to change the timelines. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, for us to change them, we actually need to to have a focus. We need to visualize those a timeline of some kind. We can't just say we don't want this timeline to happen. That's not a visualization. That's it doesn't work that way. The universe only works when you visualize something. And so I wanted to get this, you know, at very very much from the start wanted to get the conversation um, locked in tandem with the idea of yes that there's this looking glass and yes there are these timelines out there and these agendas but we can you know if we have a chance to change them let's use this as our opportunities to start a dialogue and so right now these two events that they've put on the record have to do with the, the bombing in New York City which never took place the assassination of this um, Chinese scientists working with quantum technologies and and Bitcoin and things like that, mm -hmm. which are going to and CERN, which is going to disrupt you know the the plans of those who are running the Looking Glass project. But mm -hmm. a third one that they've mentioned after we stopped the event on the 18th, they came out with a fourth video and said there's something coming in July that they can't announce yet. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess there's going to be an event, you know. But they're just taking it like let's. Let's get to the 20th first and see what happens. And then, you know, um, and, you know, so there's been a lot of discussion on both sides of the whole issue. Like some people think it's a psyop, mm -hmm. you know, other people think it's just some gag. Um, but I just think at this point, it's almost irrelevant what it is, because mm -hmm. we've we've actually ignited a conversation that is really meaningful mm -hmm. and and that's, I think, what is resonating with people the most right now. Yeah. So, so Frank, do you think that either we have the ability now or we'll soon have the ability to transfer our consciousness? You mean transfer our consciousness into an artificial carrier? Or... Yeah, right, right. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're talking about transhumanism. Yes, I do believe that this is the goal of the 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 transhumanist timeline people i would say it's the klaus schwab gang mm -hmm. the, the world economic forum agenda 2030 it's interesting because that the, the uh, looking glass guardians described that everything would reach a certain point and that was 2030 at which point the timeline stopped and start over again and this device would loop again and it would play this loop from wherever you were now into 2030 and continually repeat 144 times and then start over again and 2030 was this important date they could not see beyond 2030 and it's interesting because 2030 has such a significance out there mm -hmm. and I was actually one of the things that really um, motivated me was the fact that the day or two or three days earlier I'd found an article uh, in the Deutsche Wirtschaftsnachricht this, this is a sort of a press mainstream press paper in Germany that had just basically had an article on the front page saying the German health minister had just or pre-ordered vaccinations for Germans until 2029. Hmm. <laughs> so that until December 31st, we're, you know, up until 2030, he's, you know, pretty much set in motion this whole thing. And vaccinations play a critical role in the timeline manipulation that are being described by the guardians. And, and specifically, um, meaning that 
the vaccinations are a form of technology allowing those who are in control of the looking glass, uh, the deep state, to insert technology into humans so that when something at 2030 is going to take place, kind of a cosmic event, that when it happens, if there had not been looking glass people in charge, like deep state people, then the event that happens is a natural event in our cosmos and it has a direct effect on our consciousness naturally so that we make kind of an evolutionary leap. And this was something which was very interesting to me because we'd done a film called Solar Revolution with Dieter Burrs about exactly that topic. Like there's been this prediction in all of time about, you know, and the, the ancient indigenous people have even got this in their legends about this moment in time when human consciousness would make another leap altogether, like a quantum leap mm -hmm. in our consciousness. And uh, But these transhumanist people they don't believe in any kind of spiritual perspective. They just think mm -hmm. that, um, I mean, they're led up by, they're led by Yuval Harari, who's a, basically, you know, a complete atheist. And he very much believes that, you know, his version of uh, theology is um, humans, you know, invented gods and history will change when humans become gods. You know, so he's, that's where they're shooting. And their idea is to actually take, because they view our, our brains and our consciousness as being limited to the 3D world. They don't believe in these other extrasensory, other dimensional existences that we are actually sentient beings that, um, you know, use the 3D matrix world to navigate as souls and learn and experience and interact with each other. They actually think it's the other way around. So they're trying to desperately figure out a way to implant our consciousness into an artificial carrier. Mm -hmm. And for them, this event horizon is not this cosmic event that happens, but it's actually this thing that, you know, they, they call the convergence, you know, mm -hmm. where they, you know, where humans and machines kind of merge together to become mm -hmm. this new human 2.0 species. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, I remember not too long ago, Google said that they expect that technology to be, available soon or they're working on some kind of crap but uh if that is is a reality would you sign up for it well imagine daniel you you figured out some way to you know just take sort of a shadow version of your old memories not the active creative part of yourself mm -hmm. and put it inside of a can and and this can has, you know, the ability to move around like a robot, very sophisticated. It can think and tap into the Internet and have like super intelligence, but no creative side. Just this, you know, this this shell of an existence. And you were stuck inside that can for all of eternity unless somebody shut off the power. I mean, it's kind of a prison in a lot of ways, the way I look at it. It's a very limited because the, the machines, no matter how technologically advanced they get, even if they become you know, what they call self-conscious. In other words, they can make decisions based on their own volition. You know, that's where I think that's that event horizon that people are predicting where machines become sentient beings. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, even if that's the case, they're still never going to have that, um, that aspect that humans have. And that's that we are like, we are not just the flesh. You know, we are creator beings. Like we are mini gods like we are gods with a small g in a sense that we are you know 
souls that have that are only using 3D reality to um, experience things. And we can make decisions and create things. We can even create machines. We are the ones that created artificial intelligence. It came from our creativity. The artificial intelligence will always be butting up against that envelope of where we can transcend into fifth and higher dimensions, as described by Burkhard Heim, German physicist, for example, who mapped out a 12-dimensional reality, you know, which contains a field of information just beyond us that calling, calls, calls it G4, which has all of the potential, all of the repository of all the information and knowledge that we as humanity have gathered and exchanged, and we are in constant flux and interchange with that other dimension. That dimension is never going to be attainable by the machines. They're always going to be limited to the envelope of materialism. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the transhumanists are diehard materialists. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about for them. So there's going to be a two-class society at that point. There's going to be the humans that are the sentient creator beings, and then there's going to be these machines that are very powerful and can think, of course, better than mm -hmm. we can in the material realm because... You know, we don't always access every single little detail of everything we've ever learned in our lives. We forget those things because we don't necessarily need those things. But we have, in exchange, we have other talents and abilities that machines never have. So, yeah, I mean, I believe absolutely they're going to reach that point where they're going to transplant something, whatever mm -hmm. that will be. We don't know how that's... And we've gotten some glimpses of it through, again, Hollywood and through programs like Humans. Mm -hmm. And now there's one called Upload, which is like a sitcom about people who are, you know, transfer their consciousness into this artificial virtual reality. Um, mm -hmm. And there may even be a third class of beings that Tom Campbell describes, which are going to be those forms of intelligence which can which see the that the robots created the artificial created artificial intelligence created by mankind is sophisticated enough for them to be able to insert their consciousness into to navigate and because it's you know worthy of exploring but it's never going to be the same kind of consciousness that we are okay frank i i listened very intently and a beautiful discussion we're having um but i'm not sure i heard heard the answers to the question is that a yes or is that a no Yes, I do believe they will transfer something into the question. The question was, would you take it? Would you sign up for it? <laughs> Basically, free immortality is what we're discussing. Yeah, no, I'm definitely um, happy, um, quite happy being in the body I'm in now, and I have no intention of transplanting were, what I am now into some kind of a lesser there were, uh, physical carrier being. Because I know that having gone through other experiences or even produced shows together with people about near-death experience um, and, you know, psychic abilities, I realized that we are not limited to our physical body. There's no, in a sense, death is only just a symbol for something which mm -hmm. happens that's transitioned to other levels or other dimensions. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, quite happy to go explore those dimensions if I, you know, have to leave and transcend my body. But I do believe there's quite a chance that in our lifetime, Daniel, we're going to experience this cosmic event and that we actually might be amongst those that are here to mm. make a transition and take our consciousness and our being, our, our, like our, our identity with us to this new form of humanity. Mm. So there, in that case, there won't be necessarily death anymore as we know it now we actually might transcend death 
in the natural sense that we become, you know, higher vibrational beings. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like uh, some of the early Star Trek shows episodes address that issue of people transplanting their consciousness into android type beings. And probably I, I think there were several Twilight Zone episodes as well. And uh, one of the more recent ones, I think, was a movie called Replicant, where they did that. I mean, there's so many movies of that. But, you know, it, 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 in all those presentations, not one of them turned out good. It exactly. became a dystopian nightmare, and people said, man, I should have just died, but now I can't die. <laughs> well, the same thing is happening with the timelines, Daniel, right? I mean, going back to the Guardians of the Looking Glass and the whole Project Looking Glass experiment that was run by Majestic, they found out that um, essentially the the crashed, um, be- that they've, they've discovered beings that inhabit, like people piloting those craft that they that they discovered, and it turns out that those beings that they captured, and eventually there were survivors among them, mm-hmm. were not necessarily extraterrestrials in the truest sense, that they were beings from a complete other planet. It turns out that according to the documents that, that were finally leaked and that came out and were proven to be authentic, that they were humans from the future coming back to this time um and so they and there were two particular groups p45s were one of them from 45,000 years in the future and p52s from 52,000 years in the future and both of those versions of our they were our descendants you could say mm-hmm. and they were here to manipulate the timelines and they created a paradox and and so this you know this paradox is something that was discussed among them uh, quite vigorously and ended up being kind of a document you know a document of convergent timeline paradox mm-hmm. which essentially when when they came back to affect our timeline they began to affect the future timelines as well so you know the they only it seemed like they only could make things even worse by trying to intervene. However, yeah. one of the one of the extraterrestrials, the extra human to extraterrestrials, the future humans, was talking about consciousness, you know, and how the fact is that yes, this is true. There is this paradox. However, our consciousness has the ability to affect the timeline as well, and that if we realize that, and we realize that our human consciousness is something which is you know, standing above all timelines and can actually create and steer timelines and even um, stand above physical events that happen, like if there's a cataclysmic event or a magnetic pole shift or something like that, Mm -hmm. or a solar flare or a micronova. They're talking about those kinds of events having happened in our history that we as human humans of higher consciousness that come from another dimension if we if we make that connection to that other dimension we are not affected and we actually change the timeline in our favor so yes there's this paradox but at the same time the paradox includes the potential that we um create a timeline which is unaffected by all these events mm-hmm. i know i know uh, filthy rich people are put their brains in cryostasis waiting for a future where they'd be able to re- be reinserted in, in a body somewhere. And then, of course, like I mentioned about Google, and then, of course, we were talking about transhumanism. It's it's man's quest for immortality, which goes back to the dawn of mankind. But, hey, I got good, I got good news. Well, they're trying to end death. 
I think I think in the Bible it says the last thing that will be destroyed, God will destroy death. So there will be a time when death is destroyed, and we won't have to have our brains sitting around in some kind of robot somewhere uh, doing all kind of crazy stuff. All right, let's uh, let's get some more questions for you. Um, it says uh, Frank is twenty thirty when Nibiru comes through. Are you familiar with Nibiru? Again, please. The, well, at the when what comes through? Uh, it's uh, it is twenty thirty when Nibiru comes through. I think that Nibiru. is Nibiru. Okay, yeah, Nibiru. Nibiru. Okay, the planet Nibiru mm -hmm. you're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know this could be related. We we had a whistleblower on our uh, on on our film packing for Mars called Lucas Burlo, who was bringing out information that had been confided to him by a Vatican whistleblower, a Jesuit who had talked about the secret space program run by the Vatican which had found out that in the 80s already they they had sent probes and they'd found that there is this sort of twin binary to our sun a huge body that has a cycle that's thousands of years uh, which has had an impact on society and they determined that this actual uh, this actual body this planetary body is out there and does come into our uh, solar system very close the perihelion has made its appearance several times or many times already and they were projecting an actual they actually had mathematical calculations for it and their calculations put it at being um, into coming close to Saturn around 2029 and eventually being very at its perihelion its closest place to Earth in 2032 so I thought that was very interesting because here's that 2030-ish date again. Uh, <laughs> right. So, I, I mean, you know, I always find it interesting when you can find multiple sync points on the data. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it just adds validity to to this information that's out there, that there really is something around 2030. So I, this cosmic event that's being described, you know, uh, there's also a guy called Charles Hapgood talking about, you know, the Earth cataclysmic um, theory. Mm -hmm. that there's been massive, like, you know, Velikovsky talked about that. The planets weren't always in the same position as they are now, for example. Mm -hmm. And that, and the position that they are now, um, there's already been several cataclysmic events, which has which reset society and thrown us back to, you know, the Stone Age, literally. And, what's, and you can find this on cave drawings where you, and legends about how the Earth stood still for three days, or it was total darkness, or, or the sun never left for three days, you know, depending on what side of the planet you were on, right? Mm -hmm. um, so hinting at these kinds of events taking place in a cyclical fashion. So the cosmic event that's taking place, that's standing before us, and this is also something that the P-52s and P-45s talked about. They were back in time now, just before the big event, right? So there is something coming, and it is just around the corner. And I do believe we're probably going to experience it in the next, you know, 10 to 50 years, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, this Nibiru could very well have something to do with it. Could Nibiru trigger a solar flare, a mega flare that comes to our planet and doses us with this energy <laughs> frequency mm -hmm. certainly why not i mean it, it makes you know it makes total sense and if you look at it in terms of a, how a large body could play havoc to the current order in our solar system right mm -hmm. so yeah i mean it's i think it could be very related i can't prove it but it does seem like you know a, a 
conceivable scenario, especially in terms of other science if you put it up against it. Okay. All right. This is from Teflon Co. It says, Frank, have you researched the Merkaba and have you ever flown in one? You know, all I really can say about the Merkaba is, you know, there's like the version that Drunvalo Melchizedek talks about. It's being kind of like a force field around our bodies mm -hmm. that is connected through it's 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 being a sort of a, a geometric a sacred a, a shape of sacred geometry it ties us in energetically to the cosmos around us to our immediate environment um, but there's also the um, the Merkaba that's talked about in the stranger at the Pentagon material that it's actually a form of um, and uh, and Desiree Hertog talked about it with us as well. Like it's a form of transportation that you can actually and put yourself inside of a Merkaba, and the Merkaba is used to transport to teleport for those people who don't need spaceships because there are essential there essentially are extraterrestrial beings or higher beings that do not require ships or saucers <laughs> or motherships or anything to travel. They can actually step inside of a Merkaba and beam themselves or teleport immediately to any place that they want to. So there's that form of it as well. That's that's pretty much what I know about the Merkaba. Mm -hmm. Do you consider yourself, have, have, have you experienced going in or in and out of another dimension? Do you, do you, do you always feel that like you're grounded in this reality or do you feel sometimes just intrinsically, you know, a feeling of something that you're maybe living a different life than you was yesterday or any kind of thing like that? Or are you still in a kind of like a research mode and you may have experienced it, but you haven't been able to quantify it yet? Well, I'm quite satisfied with the idea of being here and not in any other dimension in the sense that I've noticed that I, I've, I've been able to, to prove to myself that if I visualize something, for example, if I see myself in some scenario doing something anything could be like either playing tennis or an instrument or you know or I used to do I used to be in you know much more athletic into track and field and I could mm -hmm. see myself sprinting you know to the to, to the finish line in the first okay. place or you know to be like to have this you know form like to just have this perfect physical form as I'm you know whatever I'm doing it and and I would do it, and I would actually achieve it. I actually then could play the instrument, or I would, you know, be able to play that sport or do that thing. And I, so I realized how powerful visualization is. And along with that came that if I was listening, like I I, I sometimes get messages, like just these voices or these sentences or these ideas in my brain. Mm -hmm. And at one point, I, I started to react to them or act on them. And I realized that hey, like. I'm actually getting a telepathic message here because then it would be some person would I would think of a person, mm -hmm. and and then you know within a, a, a few minutes they would either get in touch with me, um, or you know some message would come through on email, and then I began to realize okay wait a minute we're far more, like we're already connected to this other dimension you know mm -hmm. we just forgotten, so the more you tune in those things and look at them as actual abilities rather than strange anomalies like oh that's strange that that person guy I was just thinking of him you know and look mm -hmm. at it as hey this is another proof that I'm actually a telepathic being mm 
Mm -hmm. uh, then you realize you're already living in that other dimension. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, know we're just you know we're just not aware of it. You know, so in that sense, that's I guess the closest I could describe as myself being in that other dimension. I've never had any beings like show up on my lawn in a spaceship, get out and say, we're from planet Arcturus or something like that. I mean, that's never happened. I've seen UFOs. Um, and, you know, I also think that there's, there was a bit of a communication there because they appeared when I, I just surprisingly at that single moment when I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if like right now and then there they were right so but they didn't land and get out of their craft or anything or you know so i mean that's that's the extent to to which i could say i've explored those other dimensions i'll tell you what i'm going to throw that to the people watching the show in the live chat because what you what you describing about thinking of somebody and them calling that seems like it's a common trait for human beings so people watching the program in the live chat either youtube or on the channel if you ever thought about somebody and then all of a sudden the phone rang or they knocked on your door, that person just say yes or no, like it's never happened to you or yes, it has happened to you. I know it certainly has happened to me. And let's get to another question over here. I've got a few more questions. I'm getting toward the end of the broadcast. It says, uh, there's an interesting theory about CERN, time travel, Donald Trump, Nikola Tesla, and John Titer. It all ties to QAnon and who is Baron Trump. I think that's a, I've seen that, that thing. There's a, a, I think it's a book with, it looks like it's Baron Trump. And yes. could he be from the future? Or are they using Stargate, Stargates? You know, there's a lot of um, mysterious circumstances around that whole situation, I have to say. And, it was wasn't it it was Trump's uncle who was the one who was in charge of archiving and researching the works of Nikola Tesla that were recovered after his death and you know basically they they took possession of that information mm -hmm. and Nikola Tesla was working on time travel and teleportation technologies and it does seem rather strange that you know, the whole Baron Trump thing. I mean, yeah, it's true. It's like it's, <laughs> you know, there, there's some strange anomalies there. So that you have to wonder mm -hmm. if that if, if Trump isn't part of, you know, some kind of a group that is actually working inside of that project mm -hmm. and and manipulating things mm -hmm. and that know things uh, about what's coming or uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're good or bad. I think we have to maintain a neutral position here. We don't know. The jury's out on it um, because, you know, you hear a lot about, you know, Trump's going to save America or make America great again and all these things, you know, and could drain the swamp. And there's all these thousands of sealed indictments. And the whole QAnon thing to me actually was more for me, the QAnon thing was was also kind of a psyop, was like an artificial intelligence that had been um, put in there. And it, it actually behaved a lot like artificial intelligence mm -hmm. because it drew on certain events, including looking glass, um, and and put them out there. Um, but there were some things that were wrong. I mean, I, there were things that, that QAnon put out there that were that I, I, for myself, was able to verify as being incorrect. So I realized, okay, it isn't someone that, that is all-knowing, mm -hmm. Uh, it isn't one person that has the absolute truth. Um, and AI is something that you can see when they... I also believe AI was deployed when the whole COVID um, narrative began to take shape. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what it would explain why so many hundreds of countries were on the same page instantaneously, instantaneously. with respect to the line yeah. that they were bringing out of what it was. Right, right, right. They were being fed a script that was created by with the assistance mm -hmm. of artificial technology. Yeah, and I would say artificial intelligence. I, I, and you can always see that because there were anomalies that took place where certain people um, and certain vi and pictures that were appearing on the news as being from the hospital and in Elmhurst or New York, and then you found out later that those pictures were actually from a film, from an Italian film in the 80s. Mm. Uh, and, and so this is for me the telltale sign that was of artificial intelligence, you know, grabbing um, data that's in the system, that's on the uh, internet, in the network that, that has access to, everything that's in the physical network, and um, making the mistake between is this real or is this fiction you know learning still to navigate the boundaries between fiction and reality and putting those things into the narrative and then they were later then oh hey wait a minute there's some dummies in the picture that's actually a picture of a simulation experiment that took place several years earlier that's actually not a current picture of this hospital that they're describing yeah, they, on the news they, they do make those mistakes from time to time and exactly. By, by, so the, the whole thing with Baron Trump and you know this is another one of those strange things yeah that that is an anomalous thing that proves to me that looking glass technology has been in, has been deployed by the intelligence community and it makes its appearance in those forms like even the simpsons yeah right. that's another one of those cool anomalous things how many times have they been right how could they know that about the trade center and right. how you know how so would trump, they know trump that about escalator. the truckers you know in 2020 yeah. and all 2022 and, and trump, right? trump and the escalator i mean it's kind of freaky um, yes. By the way, uh, people did respond to the question, have they thought of somebody, and then they called, and we've got uh, Jim Tedesco said yes, Max said yes, Rose said yes, Robert, yes, Autumn said yes, Freely Speaking said yes, lots of times, put Yahweh first, yes, so a whole lot of people have had that experience, it just seems like those are, those are experiences that we can maybe build upon or sort of exercise to get more, I don't want to say results from them, but just be aware, yeah, I think if you're just aware of, of those kinds of abilities that maybe, you know, I don't know if it would change your life, but it certainly it certainly be a, a positive step toward a, a greater understanding of the real world that's around you, because I think we'd live in some sort of simulation anyway. All right, a few more questions, and we'll, be, we'll get out of here. It says, uh, uh, do you believe the entire Earth and its people have been put in another timeline? Well, the fact is we are all on uh, running on parallel timelines anyway. And, you know, alone the Chani experiment I described earlier, you know, Duncan Rhodes, who gave me that from um, from Australia, that whole thing was a was a perfect example of how there are actually parallel Earths which have been communicating with our Earth. So, yeah, we are in a sense, you know, already existing on multiple timelines in multiple universes at this very moment it's only the focus of our consciousness which determines which one we're on and i believe that the timeline that we're trying to kick into reality which is the one the guardians were warning us about you know um they were telling us a there's this timeline that's being set in motion by the transhumanist dark state, the negative one, but there's this other timeline which has to do with our natural quantum leap evolution. And so that timeline is the one that I believe we need to kick into 
into reality, into motion by by believing, by visualizing it and seeing it out there and feeling it. And like what you just mentioned about how, you know, these telepathic messages, this, this, we hear someone and then they call us. The more we start to practice and, and start thinking of those things as strange coincidences and then shutting them off again and putting our focus back on the, you know, the 3D world. And, and the more we start opening up and saying, wait a minute, I wonder how many other messages I'm getting mm-hmm. out there, which are, you know, examples of my higher, like a, of a higher level of my consciousness, the more we actually begin experiencing them. And the more we can affirm and realize that, hey, wait a minute, there's more to me than I actually thought, mm-hmm. the, the, the more probable this new timeline that we want to teleport to or be on will actually manifest. You know, I, that's the only way I can explain it. I can't really imagine, you know, some kind of, you know, beings coming here and, and just beaming us over to a new timeline because, A, that would interfere with our free will. You know, we have to realize that we have the ability to free will ourselves into doom as well, you know, because how can you have free will and then still say that there's going to be an intervention where some beings are going to come and then they're going to, you know, maybe there's going to be an intervention where some of us are going to be picked up. And I think there are examples of that. I've had people contact me and say, yeah, they they definitely, you know, they, this has happened in South America, for example, when there was volcanoes and earthquakes that, you know, should have wiped out a bunch of people and they were literally lifted off and then put back again. I think there's going to be limited, um, you know, evacuations, if we call them that. But I don't really believe that there's going to be a mass intervention where mm-hmm. we are going to be taken from Earth and put on another Earth because that would interfere with our free will to decide we have to do it on our own. Mm-hmm. The only way out of this is that we actually wake up. You know, this is a wake up call to us. The Guardians of the Galaxy were a wake up call for me for us to go, wait a minute, we have to start focusing on this other timeline, this organic quantum mm-hmm. leap consciousness timeline. Because mm-hmm. if we don't do it, you know, we're just giving energy to the other side who are, they want, they, they're very clear about where they want to go. In their timeline they have these meetings you know the world economic forum has regular meetings they have regular presentations you know where leonardo dicaprio and bryden are all sitting in the front row you know be, you know pretty much praying to yuval harari about Ooh. the new digital age and the transcendence and all that stuff i mean they're serious about where they want to go and they're in charge of the media mm-hmm. they're the ones that are producing the television programs which are programming us to believe in their version of reality you know, so that's where I think we need to be more than to think that we're going to be teleported into another dimension. It doesn't really it doesn't it doesn't satisfy our free will's desire to make that leap voluntarily. Mm-hmm. There would be nothing. How would we learn anything if we were just taken off of this timeline and thrown on another timeline? We would just mm-hmm. carry on with the baggage that we brought with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that. we can stop it a few years or change it in that sense. But it's not going to be that quantum leap. It's interesting what you're describing there is actually a scenario that's in the in the Bible. I think that talks about something called a rapture, and uh, where people are taken off the planet. But uh, and I would say that the people that agree with that accept that. You talk about is, is that violate somebody's free will? I think I think the people that believe that it is as it is written that there will be this taking away of some group of people. I think they want to go. I don't think they're going to be going against their will. I think it'd be people that are. Well, that are left behind are going yes, to say, I wait a minute. There's going to be some people that are going to be open to being taken, and they're ready. Maybe they are. Maybe they were brought here in the first place. You know, maybe mm-hmm. they're like those Venusians that are among us. 
There could be many extraterrestrials walking among us. Maybe we're not all human, you know, but um, absolutely, I think that has to do with there's going to be, um, on the one hand, a, 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 a cosmically induced consciousness stimulating frequency, if you may, something like that, that's going to happen, which is going to elevate our consciousness which is a form of the rapture, you could say. I mean, I think the stuff's all encoded in the Bible as well. I mean, the Bible, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible, you know, and it, it, it's, it doesn't, it's, it's almost like you, um, the, the main element here that, and I think you can find it in the Bible plenty, is that we have to become righteous citizens. We have to be honest. You know, we have to have integrity. We have to be love-centered. We don't. Mm. We shouldn't be manipulating people negatively. We shouldn't be lying to people. Yeah. We, you know, these are things that are clear and they're laid out. You know, and so you don't even need a holy scripture to make sense of that. It just is true. As soon as we stop lying to ourselves, and as soon as we call out all the frauds and fake stuff around us, and we embrace honesty and integrity, and you know all these good things, you know, heart-centered existence, we will change our reality. And you know, this is a very very simple natural law it can only be that way that we can only reach higher consciousness if we embrace higher vibrational ideas and those happen to be you know uh, high morality is a higher vibration it's a higher form of consciousness there's just not enough of us practicing it or let's just say you know we are our our morality is being blemished by us being forced to play the game of those people that are that have dark agendas all around us were being many people were forced to have been vaccinated they didn't really want to be vaccinated but they had to because they were living in this world and if they were gonna you know they had a job or you know they were just pressured you know and this is how they work the mm -hmm. other side and that's how you can tell that you know there really is an other side because those other side people have solutions that they could give us right now solutions for free energy you know, that would give us, that would take us off the need for carbon burning, as they call it, the great sin, right? They would take us away from that, you know? They have healing modalities which have been invented over a hundred years ago that would cure mm -hmm. any form of disease out there. And why aren't they bringing it out to us? Well, that's the evidence to you that there is an agenda to keep that from us. And there are certain people who are, yeah, who are in charge mm -hmm. of that. And mm -hmm. the rest of us are trying to force it out and the only way we can do that i think is to really put ourselves into the mindset of creating this other new new earth you know as you might want to call it this higher vibrational higher quality higher consciousness earth but we have to visualize it we have to see ourselves in there we have to imagine what it might be like you know like you have you know what kind of technology might you have there what do you see? Is it going to be, you know, electric cars, but without a Tesla lithium battery, just one that sucks energy out of the environment mm -hmm. and it's totally clean? Do you see yourself, you know, walking down the street and when you see your neighbor, you all give yourselves a hug because you're all connected, you know, like you have to start seeing these kinds of pictures. You have to visualize this kind of beautiful world that we actually have coming. If we don't do it, how are we supposed to anchor it into this dimension? Mm. And somebody said... They pray for change. They say, let that change begin in me. And that's how, that, that's how, that's how it goes, Frank. You're doing it. I'm doing it. People watching the programs doing it, trying to do it. That's why we try to bring all the guests that we can with all different backgrounds, all different belief systems, and try to get everybody together because we're going to have to solve this thing. And 
this this thing about coercion talk about the shot it's just coercion where coercion is and force you know that that's coming from a wrong side it's coming from a, a dark place no matter what if you have to trick somebody force them coerce them and lie to them and how many exactly. times have we all been lied to we've been lied to our whole life and so we've been lied to about history and and just so many things so we have to kind of struggle to find the truth but there there are answers that come and at least partial answers which is better than none and a continual seeking of these answers will make a person wiser and more considerate of others which is like you said the these these sort of standards unmovable truths of being honest and being nice and you know, not judgmental, so to speak, for the good in the good ways and those kinds of things. Man, they, they're well, you call them high vibrations. I call it being a, a, a better spiritual person. You know, just being a good person. But when when if that's not in your conscience, if not if it's not in the forefront of your thinking, you're not going to get anywhere. It's just going to be a dark place for you too as well. Well, Frank, listen, we've got at, at the end of the broadcast here. Loved having you on. Uh, any final things you want to say about uh, what you're doing or uh, your website or anything like that? You go right ahead. Sure. I mean, it would be great if, if like, um, if you need to get in touch or you'd like to get in touch with me, you can go to my website, frankjacob.com. For people who are interested in kind of a deep dive into the looking glass technology and, and you know, the history of that, I'm creating a web webinar right now, which I'm probably going to be putting out in the next couple of weeks. So if you if you're interested in being part of that webinar, then then I don't I'm still building the landing page and all that. It's going to take a few more days. So unfortunately, I got caught with my pants down when this whole thing exploded. But you can go to my website and there's a contact form and just drop me a note and say, yeah, webinar. I want to do the webinar, or whatever. And then I'll get in touch with you when I'm ready in the next few days. Um, and you know we're working on a film uh, called the ET Almanac, a book about the ET Almanac uh, book that was put out with um, Craig Campobasso and MUFON. So mm -hmm. the filmic version of that is going to be coming out this year, or well, hopefully, hopefully this year. We're trying to get it done. We're pushing, and uh, that's something we're working on. And other than that, um, yeah, just, you know, you can go to screenaddiction.com if you would like to see the films that we've been talking about, mm -hmm. like Klaus Donna Chronicles or Packing for Mars, The Solar Revolution. Mm -hmm. On that page, you can scroll down to the bottom and there's a series of buttons where you can access, you know, not only DVDs, of, if you want a DVD, but you can actually stream them on the internet or download them from the internet as well. Mm -hmm. All right, well, Frank, I see a lot of great comments in the chat uh, regarding you and your presentation and our conversation tonight. It's really, uh, really, uh, People appreciate it. Uh, and any of those, any of those, uh, like Klaus Donner or any anybody that you've done videos, if if, if you're ever talking to them, if any of them still alive, whoever, you know how that goes. But uh, if they ever want to come on the show, just say, hey, man, get contact Daniel Lawton. We'll have him on the show. Yeah, I'll absolutely absolutely do that. Yeah, exactly. I will absolutely do that. Okay. Well, hey, you stay s uh, safe in in uh, Germany, Frank. I appreciate you so much for coming on the program. Thanks for having me, Daniel. It's been a real pleasure, yeah? Take care, yeah? Okay, thank you.